be seated. First of all, I just want to share something that I think should be obvious to all of us. We are messy. We are messy. All right, take a breath. Just breathe out. If you have to breathe to survive, you're going to be a messy person. There's no one who's outside of this. Every single person is messy. Non-Christians are messy, and Christians can be messy too. We're messy. Say, I can be messy. You can. (laughs) I'm sure the person sitting beside you knows how messy you can be sometimes. (laughs) You know, sometimes we say the darndest things to one another. James talks about how our words at one point will say, bless God, bless God, praise him, praise him. And then another moment, we're just tearing down someone we love. Out of the same mouth come both cursings and blessings. And he says, brothers, it should not be so. And it should not be so. But it happens. It happens. The thing about existing as a messy person is that you might come to believe that because of your mess, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Let alone use you for anything that pertains to him. This is a great fear that cripples many Christians to think, well, I'm saved. God saved me, but man, I keep messing up. Surely he doesn't. Surely I can't be used by him to win my neighbor to Christ or my coworker to Jesus or maybe called to ministry. Man, I can sometimes mess up so bad And my past, man, if people knew my past, they wouldn't want me to go into ministry, vocational ministry. Well, let me tell you something. You're looking at a messy person. You're looking at a guy who fails and has failed. My past, Claire and I were reflecting on it at the mall this past week. I was walking around and I just shared something like, man, I can't believe when I used to go to the mall, with my friends I used to shoplift I used to shoplift I didn't do it physically but I'd, I was too afraid I'd say hey will you get this for me I want it that's in my past what's in your past here's the reality we serve a God of second chances third chances fourth chances really infinite chances no matter how much we can mess up our lives or we have messed our lives up in the past God isn't done with us God isn't through with us whether you're not a Christian you can become a Christian your past isn't big, too big for God the, the depths of God's grace and mercy for you are much deeper than the depths of your sin. God can save you, non-Christian. And for those of us who are Christian, guess what? 
God's not done with you, even though you keep messing up. And Jonah's a great example of this. You see, we see in Jonah the fact that God can't help himself but use messy people. I mean, he uses messy people to give himself glory. He knows that if he uses broken vessels like us to exalt him and show how awesome he is, it just makes him look all the better. See, God utilizes sinners for his glory. It's about him. And so as we're looking at this text, we see this. God graciously used Jonah even after Jonah sinfully ran from God. You remember, if, you've heard, if you haven't heard this story before, God told Jonah to do something, go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, uh-uh, I'm going that way. I don't want to do it. And he just kept going in his disobedience that God had to send a storm while Jonah was on the sea, and the storm was about to overtake the ship, and Jonah had to go into the sea in his desperation, he called out to God, and God saved him through sending a fish. See, Jonah made a mess. <laughs> Jonah was messy. And guess what? Even after Jonah called out to God, and God saved him, and then he graciously thanked, or he thanked his gracious God for saving him, Jonah's still a mess. We'll learn more about that in chapter 4. But what I want you to get from this is I want you to see that there are many chances God is giving you to be used by him for his glory. Wherever you're at, wherever you think you are at, I want you to see that your mess isn't too big for God. It's not too big. Your sin is not too big for God. He can take care of it, and then he can send you on your way. And guess what? You'll just keep going to him and he'll keep taking it away and he'll keep sending you. So I want you to realize that. You might be sitting here this morning running from a second, third, fourth chance. Whether it's a chance to just uh, enjoy God or a chance to go out and be used by God. I want you to take that opportunity. I want this sermon to motivate you to do that. So... In this text, we're going to see four lessons. We're going to see four lessons for us that we can learn from Jonah's uh, new chance. Four lessons. Our first lesson this morning. If you got a little handout that was in the bulletin, you can fill in the blanks. It might help you to remember this. I think these are beautiful truths we as Christians need to remind ourselves of every day. These are gospel truths for us. The first lesson... Your past doesn't keep God from pursuing and utilizing you. Did you hear that? Your past doesn't stop God from pursuing you or utilizing you. Let's read. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah not the first time, the second time. This is God moving towards Jonah again. 
We read in chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. We see this same thing repeated in chapter 3. But it says it's the second time. You see, Jonah didn't deserve for God to come to him in the first place. And you better believe, after the way Jonah's shown his butt, he doesn't deserve it this time either. But here comes God. Here comes God. Jonah. Hey, Jonah. Are you Jonah this morning? Is God trying to get your attention? Is God trying to show you this morning that he's pursuing you? Maybe you don't feel like he is, but maybe he, he's trying to tell you that. Maybe you've heard this message before and you've walked away from it like Jonah did. Guess what? God comes a second time. I bet you a hundred dollars. I'm a pastor. I'm poor. That's all I can bet. Can't bet a thousand. A hundred dollars that if Jonah didn't listen the second time, God would have done the same thing. And we'd read in probably chapter six. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a third time. I bet you a hundred dollars we would read that if Jonah's story was a, just a tad bit different. If he stayed a little bit longer in his rebellion. Maybe you've walked away one time. Maybe you've walked away two times. Maybe you have a past. Maybe you have a good past. And when you started as a Christian, you were on fire for God. And something just happened. And you just lost your way again. Well, beloved, you can get back on track. God is all the time pursuing you. He's using people. He's using preachers like this guy to tell you, hear from God. I'm looking for you. I'm pursuing you. That's what he says. That's what we see how he treated Jonah. This is how he treats everyone. God, does, God desires that all people believe and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the kind of character or the kind of God we serve. He's a God who wants to save people and he wants to utilize people. So the word came to Jonah. Jonah's pursued by God even after he messed up. Then the second verse says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Now we see Jonah being invited again by God to be used by him. God pursued him. Now God's utilize him, utilizing him. He says, here I am. I want to use you. Linda, did you know God's pursuing you and he wants to use you? I think you do. You serve in the children's ministry. And David, he's up here on the organ. Is there someone here this morning God's trying to get their attention and say, hey, I've got things for you to do at First Baptist Church. Guess what? You're a vital part of this church's ministry. Maybe you're gifted in welcoming people. Maybe you just have a warm personality. Maybe you've got a beautiful voice like Jose. That's why we asked him to sing with us. Maybe you could play guitar. Maybe you could play drums. 
Maybe you know how to click a mouse. You know, that's all it takes. Get those words moving on that screen. God might have something for you to do here in this church. God had something for Jonah to do. What makes you think he doesn't have something for you to do? God wants to, he's been pursuing you, he wants to utilize you in this church. Not only that, he's been given, he's given us as Christians a similar command that he gave to Jonah. He said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, and essentially the word is preach the message that I give to you. He's told Christians, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, and guess what? As you're going out, as you're living your life, I want you to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In Mark, we see just a different, uh, like kind of a, a shorter summation of that great commission. Hey, go and preach to the whole creation. And then in Acts, I mean, it's like four times, three or four times. He says, hey, you're going to receive, a th- you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses to all the nations. You're going to go. That's something for all Christians. The thing I talked about, about how you could be used in different individual ways, in ministries in the church and even outside the church, those are specific callings to people. But there are real big callings to all of us. The same calling that Jonah got. Go and call out. Go preach. God wants to use you. We see this in Jonah. and it was, Jonah's past didn't keep him back. It didn't hold him back. Your past can't hold you back either. God's bigger than your past. I also want to point out that this, is a, this isn't for Jonah. It's not just a small task. It's a great task. Look at how he describes Nineveh. It's a great city. It's a great task. One man to reach a large group of people. You're one person. And we've got big callings. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. We were told to go to all nations. <laughs> Jonah's task was big. Ours is bigger as Christians. But we're going to see later on a big task doesn't stop a bigger God. Bigger, big task doesn't stop a bigger God. You know, a lot of church planners now, when they try to go to different cities, they try to think, Oh man, I gotta, how am I gonna do this? I'm gonna, I gotta raise all these funds. You gotta, you gotta raise funds. You gotta, they think of all these creative ways to, how am I gonna, how am I gonna be relevant to the people? They think of all these ways of how they can just make it a little bit easier, thinking they, the power's with them to do it. But really, God's command is simple is go and preach. Go and preach. Go and preach. It's simple yet specific. Go preach. Not just what you want to preach, but what does he say at the end of verse 2? The message that I tell you. We can't just be going and preaching what we want to preach. When we're trying to win people to the Lord, we can't just say, hey, did you know God wants you to be successful, happy, and make a lot of money? 
I can't tell you that. That's not in the Bible. I can't tell you, hey, did you know that God wants you to stay in your sinful lifestyle, whatever it may be, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's uh, having sex before marriage, whether it's a drug dealer, whether it's, uh, I mean, just living self-righteously for your own sake. I can't tell you that and say, God is happy with you just continuing in what you're doing. I can't say that because he's told me, hey, call out, make disciples of, of me. I'm supposed to give you a message that he's given me, not a message that you want to hear or I want to tell you to lessen the call. But see, that doesn't make the task more, it shouldn't make it more scary because if God's promised if God's given us a command to do something, he'll give us the means and power to do it. If our past doesn't hold back God from pursuing us, and it's not going to hold him back from utilizing us, then we better believe it's not going to hold him back from making us successful in whatever endeavor we're pursuing for him that he's called us to do. But we have to do it on his term, not ours. So God is pursuing you your past isn't going to stop him he wants to utilize you but i want you to know you, it's got to be on his terms not your own so that's the first lesson your past doesn't keep god from pursuing and utilizing you second lesson we see this in the first part of verse three sometimes just sometimes but a lot of the time <laughs> Faithfulness to God requires doing, doing things we don't want to do. Sometimes faithfulness to God requires doing things we do not want to do. Verse 3 says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Do you remember what he did when he was told the first time? He ran. He didn't want to do it. He called out to God. He humbled himself. So it might appear as if, oh, maybe Jonah, you know, wants to, still, wants to do it now. But in verse 2 of chapter 4, after Jonah's done preaching, after God makes a huge move and turns over Nineveh, and they repent, we see Jonah says, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I went into my when I was yet in my country that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster he essentially says he's essentially saying oh my gosh I knew you were going to do this he shows his cards even when Jonah's going to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord he doesn't want to go but he still goes because sometimes faithfulness to God requires doing things we don't want to do. Jonah didn't go the first time because he didn't want to go. And then Jonah just showed us again. He didn't want to do it. Here's the thing. I can't be faithful to God if I'm faithful to my sinful desires and my feelings. What they're telling me to do all of us in here have moments where the Holy Spirit's trying to show us, hey, 
Don't talk to your wife like they like that. Hey, don't talk to your husband like that. Hey, share the gospel here. There's your opportunity. And we're going to have moments where we're going to think, but I'm angry. I want to say it. Or that's going to make it very awkward if I share the gospel right now. It could ruin the relationship. We have to listen carefully to what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us and put away what our flesh is trying to say. Paul says that the flesh is constantly against what the Spirit's trying to get us to do. It's trying to keep us, it's trying to smother the desires that are in us by God's Holy Spirit and keeping us from doing what we really want to do. Because deep down, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you do want to please God. And I guarantee you, if you listen to your lusts and the flesh and your feelings, you're going to regret it. You're going to have a moment where you're thinking, man, I really should have shared the gospel. Man. I really shouldn't have talked to that person that way. Man, I shouldn't have stolen that thing that I really wanted. We're in tax season. <laughs> I hope the Holy Spirit's convicting you to be honest on your taxes. <laughs> I also hope you have the conviction to feel remorse about it and say, you know what? I want to do better. I want to listen to the Spirit. I want to walk in holiness. So sometimes faithfulness to God requires doing what we don't want to do. It was costly to Jonah. Look at our third lesson. I love this. This was freeing to me. Our third lesson begins in the latter part of verse 3. But this is the lesson. God's big tasks for us need only simple obedience. Simple obedience. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I came to that conclusion. Let's start at the end of verse 3. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Remember, big city, big task. It's three days journey in breadth. That means in order to get to every single person in Nineveh and to get just walk through the whole thing, it will take you three days to do it. So verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, one day instead of three, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So, let me put it this way. Jonah went one-third of the way in, and then preached the world's shortest sermon. <laughs> when I first read that, I thought, man, surely Jonah's showing his, his bottom again. Surely he's doing a rebellion. He, God probably, I was thinking, God probably told him, Jonah, I want you to tell them about how God created the world. Tell them how um, they've sinned and, you know, Adam and Eve, they failed. And, you know, tell them how I've been trying to get people to follow me and live in covenant faithfulness to me. Uh, tell them that I'm gracious and I'm merciful. Tell them about repentance. And tell them that it's all going to be worth it because I'm glorious. 
I was thinking, man, he, ha- he left out a lot. Jonah, you left out a lot. <laughs> and this sermon was going to be different. <laughs> I was going to tell you, look at this guy. But I can't, I can't do that right now because the more I studied and I read commentaries, the language in the original language appears to indicate that Jonah's actually, this is actually obedience. This is actually what God wanted him to do. This is how God wanted him to do it. God told Ezekiel, hey, I want you to write on this brick. Oh, now lay on your side for this many days. Oh, and I want you to cook food from human dung. What if Jonah had said, well, God, I better, you know, before I go into the city, I better lay on my side for a while. You know? Because, you know, Ezekiel had to. Or what if he said, I heard Hosea had to marry a prostitute to get his message across. And then he said, well, God, okay, before I go to Nineveh, I'm going to marry a prostitute. No, he didn't do that because that wasn't his assignment. Jonah's assignment was to go to Nineveh and preach the word that he gave to him. And what did that look like for Jonah? It looked like going one day in to a place that would have taken three days to go the full amount And it meant just preaching one sentence. He probably just said it over and over. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, he could have just kept doing that. But that's what God wanted him to do. Beloved, if you want to get pure in your life, if you're just really frustrated by the world, it just makes you you sick, God has not commanded believers to go to some monastery and sit in silence for the rest of their lives and just read. That's not what God told us to do. He said, go and make disciples. God wants, I mean, living the Christian life, it can be hard at times, but beloved, it's simple. It's really simple. Being a Christian is really simple. We don't have to overcomplicate it. What does it look like? It means, well, first and foremost, we believe what Jesus has done on the cross. We've believed it. Oh, God's done it all. He sent his son to die for sinners. What Jesus got is what I deserve. We believe that. And then we just acknowledge he is king. I'm leaving my sin behind me. I'm pursuing this Jesus. And then we just love God through that Um, abundant he's given us every reason to love him so he hasn't made it hard for us we love God and we love other people and part of loving other people is trying to save them keep them from the terrible fate that is destined for all humanity that we all deserve it's simple it's simple but it's a big task (laughs) And it requires simple obedience. You know, I'm Caleb. That's my name. My parents gave it to me. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Pastor Dave. I'm not David Jeremiah. So when I come up here and I'm preaching, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to simply fulfill the task God's given me. I'm not going to try to be someone else. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to be extravagant to obey God in your calling. But beloved, 
here's the calling and do it. <laughs> I don't want you to say, I don't want you to hear me say, I'm telling you, you don't have to fulfill your calling. God's got a purpose for you, but he's got it for you. It involves the Great Commission, and it involves the local church. Remember how I said, oh, maybe God's calling you to do a greeting. Maybe God's calling you to click on the mouse. Well, maybe you're not good at clicking on the mouse. Maybe that's not your spiritual gift. But you just have to simply do, just practice simple obedience with whatever God's given you. And fulfilling the call on all, for all Christians and then also for every individual calling. Just simple obedience. I hope that's freeing for you. Our fourth and last lesson we learn is this. Your assignment is not for your glory. Your assignment is not for your glory. I'll tell you why I, I observed this in this text and I interpreted it this way. Look at verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed who? Say it. God. It doesn't say Jonah. <laughs> they believed God. And they called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Jonah didn't have to tell them to put on a, a fast. Jonah didn't put, have to tell them to put on sackcloth. God was working in these people. If you read his, uh, historical um, excerpts about this time and commentaries, they describe that they're, I mean, just when they look at uh, the events that were happening in the Assyrian Empire, they were like things happening in the sky that were unexplainable. There were stars moving uh, there was an e eclipse around this same time. And, I mean, the people of Nineveh were being primed by God for something great. It, it's not in this text. Those things aren't in this text. But we look at his, history and we can see, wow, God really was moving. And look at their response. Jonah doesn't deserve glory for this. This is only something God could do. Whatever God's calling you to. Like, are you afraid I'm going to fail? I tell you that, or I'll tell you this. That comes to my head all the time when I'm doing ministry. Man, I'm trying to get these teams together, but it just keeps really stink at scheduling people. Oh, man, God, I just want to give up. Or, I'm, man, I'm wrestling over a text. God, this text is so hard. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just want to give up. Or man, God, I tried sharing the gospel with my coworkers. And they just made fun of me. I want to give up. And God's just saying, hey, trust me. Trust me. Do what I told you to do. I called you to this. You're not responsible for the results. Pastor Dave and I are not responsible for the results at this church. I mean... We should be faithful in our tasks. We should be faithful in our ministry. But that's what you should be looking for. Is, are Pastor Dave and Pastor Caleb faithful with what they're doing? Are they loving the sheep? Are they preaching the word? Are they, are they praying? 
Are they doing what God's assigned them to do for us at the church? Hold us to that standard, not any other standard, how many people we have on the stage or anything else, or how good the walls look, or how clean the carpets are, or anything. Like, don't hold us to those standards. Hold us to the standards of faithfulness. Are we working in such a way that we're leaving God enough room that he can get the glory? Because our assignment is not for our glory. Your assignment is not for your glory. Whatever God's calling you to, it's not so you can boast. I remember one time at a retreat, one of my dear friends, we, he had been sweeping all week after we all ate dinner. Sweeping and sweeping and sweeping. Nobody said anything to him. But then the, next, <laughs> the last night, we were all doing a sharing and kumbaya and uh, just talking to our reflection. And he was just like, man, I've been sweeping all week. Nobody's noticed. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Nobody's even thanked me. We were like, well, your sweeping isn't for your glory, brother. We're sorry we haven't thanked you. It's a good lesson for us. To thank people who do hard work. But ultimately, you're not doing it for my praise. You're doing it for God's praise and for His glory. So your assignment's not for your glory. Our objective as Christians is to make Jesus look big. Make Him look glorious. That's what it's about. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Period. That's what this is about. Jesus. So, to summarize what we've talked about. Your past doesn't keep God from pursuing and utilizing you. And even if that utilizing is something you don't want to do, you should still do it. Because what he's calling you to do is it just needs simple obedience. You need to trust him. You need to look to him. God, if you, if you, I could trust, if I could trust you in my salvation, God, I could trust you with this task. I'll do it. And then you should be in it for his glory, not your own. I think that last part, being in it for his glory, not your own, if that's your heart's motivation, it won't stop, it, nothing can stop you from being utilized by God. I mean, you will, you will clean toilets. You will greet people. You will preach your heart out. You will play an instrument. You'll learn an instrument if God's calling you to do that. I mean, if your heart is set on the glory of God and knowing this isn't about me, this is about him, I mean, there's nothing you can't do with God's help. It has to be for his glory. So I want to invite every single one of you, whether, first, if you're not a Christian, hear this. My first point was that God pursued, pursues us and utilizes us. Well, if you're not a Christian, that's you too. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to realize what he's done for you in his son. He has gone to extreme lengths just to show you how much he loves you and how awesome he is. He did that by sending Jesus to a cross to take on your sin and my sin 
Jesus went to that cross for us. That was God's main pursuit of sinners and his main means of sanctifying them so that he can utilize them. So if you're not a Christian, you can have that. You, all you have to do is look to it and believe it and receive it. I'll tell you what, when you do that, you're going to want to leave your life of sin behind you. And you're going to want to make him king. So uh, non-believer, if you don't know Christ, I just plead with you this morning, talk to one of us pastors or someone around you, someone uh, that you know here, and say, hey, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be utilized by him. And then for Christian, if you've been running from obedience and you just haven't, you just seem to, you know, I could keep rep repeating your past, keep going back, like a dog returns to a vo his vomit, so does a fool return to his folly. If you're in that situation and you know God's calling you to a lot more, whether it's in your personal walk with him or whether it's by serving in this church, becoming a member of this church, maybe you haven't been baptized, obey him, trust him. It's better to trust him and follow him. So I hope that encourages you. And let's, let's pray. God, um, oh boy, God, this is a sermon I need to hear. And I just pray, God, that you would use it among all of us. Um, Lord, for whoever might be here that really just needs to fully understand that they're loved by you and that you have sent your son, maybe, maybe God, you're speaking to them and I, I just pray that you would save them. That they would hear your voice and see, God, that you are awesome and you love them. Give them the courage to call out and to talk to someone, Lord. And then for us who know you and are seeking to put you on the throne and be about your glory, God, please help us. Because just like that song we sang, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. God, we still have sin in these bodies and Lord it tempts us I mean we're tempted all the time we have desires that we just hate God and we need your help Lord we need your help to be able to obey you and be utilized by you God um, please use this sermon for your glory and I pray God that something big might come of today in Jesus name amen would you stand with us as you're able and as we sing our uh, closing song, At the Name of Jesus, hymn number 766. At the name of Jesus, every shall bow, every tongue 
and confess Him King of glory now To the Father's pleasure Which are called Who from the beginning Was the mighty one Humbled for a season To receive the From the lips of sinners Unto whom he came Faithful in reply Spotless to the last Bright but victorious When from death he passed In your hearts and through him The living remove All that is not holy All that is not true Crown him as your captain In temptations are Let his will unfold you In his light and power 